from St. Matthew's Gospel, Jesus said, Therefore, you also must be ready. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, good morning, friends. I have a question for you this morning. You ever done something with good intention? Your heart was in the right place. You meant well, only to find out later that it was a really bad idea. Seven or eight years ago, my daughter Katie was, I think, in sixth or seventh grade. I can't remember. My middle daughter. I had a great idea. The idea was I was going to take her for a dad and kid adventure to Halloween Horror Nights. <laughs> Halloween Horror Nights is a theme park, for crying out loud. It's at Universal Studios in Orlando. What could possibly go wrong? It's right next to the Magic Kingdom. What could go wrong? Katie said to me, Dad, everybody else is going. I want to go. So being a loving father and well-intentioned, I took Katie and a friend of hers to Orlando for dinner that night, and then we made our way over to Halloween Horror Nights. And I'm just going to say this. It wasn't exactly Disneyland. <laughs> the, the outdoor, if you've never seen it, the outdoor is dark. It's outside. The outdoor, outside is dark. There's smoke machines. There's this eerie music from The Walking Dead, which used to be a famous show on TV. And uh, there were zombies and lots of zombies and not nice zombies. They were nasty, grungy, bloody, scary zombies everywhere. And what made it the worst is you couldn't see, it was so smoky, you couldn't tell who was a zombie and who was just a park goer. But what made it worse was that as you walked by them, they would jump out of you. Did I make you startle? You get the idea. Over and over again. <sighs> I mean, I came to find out later it's called a jump scare. I didn't know that. That was not in my vocabulary at the time. But after about an hour and a half of this and the music and the, creep, the creepy music and the whole shooting match, finally after we had more fun than Abraham and Mary Lincoln watching our American cousin at Ford's Theater, Katie said, uh, Daddy, I want to go home. And so I had to flag down a park attendant with a flashlight in the middle of all this. And we finally made our way out of the park, and I thought, game over, right? Woo, finally. Well, not so fast, because a jump scare puts you on edge. It makes you anxious. It makes you tense. Literally two nights later, we got home. The next day, I was walking my dog down the street. And it's a pretty well-lighted street, but it was dark out. And I will tell you, with God as my witness, I thought at any minute something was going to jump out. <laughs> the reason I bring this up is because our readings today in the gospel seem to describe a jump scare. Right? Be ready. Stay alert. Always be ready. One is taken. One is left. One's grinding in the mill. All of a sudden, boom, one is gone. It creates a sense of, at least to me, when I first read this, it creates a sense of anxiety and tension and, and a jump scare almost. And, you, and you've got to be wondering, well, wait a minute, what exactly is going on here? What about away in a manger and baby Jesus and all that Christianity feel-goody stuff? Well, if you don't know this, if you're new to this church or you're new to traditional liturgy, Advent, which is the four weeks before Christmas, is not the Christmas pregame. Advent is not getting ready for Christ's birth because, if you think about it, that already happened. So why would you get ready for something which already occurred? 
I'll be 54 years old next, in a couple of weeks on the 20th of December. My mom is not home making me a little whitey, you know, a birthday suit or anything like birthday gift or anything like that. I'm 54 years old. I was born, you know, many, many years ago. So why are we getting ready for his birth? It already occurred. And the point is, of course, that we're not. The season of Advent is not about Jesus' first coming. That already happened. The season of Advent is about his second coming. It is a season of expectation and getting ready for the end of the world. Merry Christmas. Honestly, if you don't know that coming in, this whole season will make no sense. We're not here to talk about away in a manger. We're here to get ready for Christ's return, for the end of the world. And I'll submit this to you, that the second return is even better than the first. So two points I'm going to look at this morning, two ideas. Is Christ's return something to fear? Certainly looks that way. (laughs) And how do we get ready for it? Is Christ's return something to fear? And how do we get ready for it? So first thing is, is Christ's return something to be afraid of? Our gospel this morning, Jesus paints a pretty, pretty dramatic, terrifying picture about the end of the world. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken. One will be left. Two women grinding at the mill. One will be taken. One will be left. Jesus takes us describing how Noah, people in Noah's time, it's like Noah, before they got into the ark. People were eating and drinking and being married and given in marriage. Just doing regular stuff. Getting the day-to-day norm. And then all of a sudden, boom, it hits you. And if you're like I was as a 20-something kid, When I hear of the end of the world, I will tell you my eyes would sort of roll a little. Like, oh, come on, really? The end of the world? We've been talking about this for a long time. And if uh, if you think of the end of the world and you kind of have a little part of you that thinks, oh, come on, really? Well, let me just stop for a second and segue and make a point. That ever since the Enlightenment, the Western world, which we are a part of, our culture, has drank the Kool-Aid of the idea that we can make things better. The Enlightenment idea was the inevitability of progress, that if we just put time and money and effort behind something, we can make it better. Things will get increasingly better, not worse. Poverty will be eradicated if we just try harder and spend more money. Student loan debt with a wave of the wand, ring, and away it goes. Modern Western thought, we all, our culture certainly has this idea that we can make it all better if we just, if we just try harder and spend more money, and if so, shut down free speech and force it, if necessary. But let me ask you an obvious question. Is that true? <laughs> Are we really progressing? I mean, okay, fair enough, nobody dies of leprosy anymore. All right, or a few people. No one gets the plague. We do have iPads and cell phones and all that, all that stuff, which they're good things. I'm not knocking them. But now we have manufactured viruses. Now we have fentanyl, which kills more. It is the, it is the number one cause of death of anybody under the age of 30. So here's the question. Have we, are we really, have we really progressed as much as we think we have? And the answer is no. And friends, the reason for that 
is because we live in a fallen world, a fallen and broken world. But the good news, the gospel, that's what the word gospel means. Euangelion, it's a Greek word. It means the good news. The good news, listen, is that when Christ returns, he'll fix it. The dead shall be raised. Evil will be judged. Those who have rejected God and will spend eternity without him as they wish, and those who have trusted in Jesus as their Lord and Savior will be saved. That's the end game. So the point you need to stop and think about is, as as it might feel the end of the world, really, just stop and think the world is not getting any better than it was millennia ago, since the fall. And it brings me to the question then, is Jesus' return something to fear? Well, that depends on a question. Is Jesus your Lord and Savior or not? Because things will get worse, Jesus says. He says it right here. Things will get worse. And his return could happen at any moment. Wars, famine, persecution, the war in Ukraine. I mean, fill in the blank. You just watch, read the, Turn the news on. You'll see it. But he says, if you're mine, if you belong to me, if I'm your Lord and Savior, you've got nothing to fear. And the question then becomes, well, then how do we prepare for that? St. Luke's Gospel, Jesus describes the end like this. I love this imagery. He says, Luke 21, verse 28, Now when these things begin to take place, the end of the world, right? When the world has fallen apart, nuclear weapons, whatever it is that finally does us in, he says, when, the, when these things begin to take place, he says, straighten up and raise your head because your redemption is drawing near. Let me stop there and just say one thing. That word straighten up, it's a Greek word. And it, means to, it means to lift your heads and look for someone who is coming back to save you. So that while the world cowers in fear, we, as followers of Jesus, lift up our heads. Stand up for Jesus, right? Because our King, listen, has returned to save us. See, what you may not know, the Bible is a, is a great big circle. Biblical salvation is a circle. We start in the Garden of Eden, living with the Lord in heaven, or cast out, and then we end up once again in the Garden of Eden, heaven. The world will not be obliterated at Jesus' return, but restored to a pre-fallen state, a recreated, reconstituted Eden. And so for the Christian, the end of the world is not something to fear, but something to long for. You know, Jesus says in our gospel today, be ready. Therefore, chapter 24, verse 42, therefore, stay awake, for you do not know. Listen, listen closely. I'd never noticed this before this past week. He says, stay awake, for you do not know on the day when your Lord is coming. Not the Lord, your Lord. Stay awake, he says, for you do not know when your Lord is coming. It's super subtle, but it's right there if you look at it. Jesus says, stay awake, for you do not not know when your Lord is coming. And that changes the whole dynamic from fear to longing, from cowering, to expectation. You know, when I was a kid, my dad used to travel, not a lot, but he would travel on occasion over to, uh, over to Germany. And uh, one, I was probably in, I don't know, third grade or so, maybe second grade. One time, 
and one of his trips just come, jumps into my mind's eye. I was going to bed. He'd been gone for like a week. We'd talk on the phone at night, but I'd seen him in a week before FaceTime and all that. And uh, I was getting ready to go to bed. My mom said to me, hey, your dad's coming home tonight. And I will tell you, I, I couldn't sleep. I was so excited to see him. I was so, so excited to have him return. Full disclosure, he did usually bring gifts, but... But I was still really, really happy to see him. I missed him, and I knew that when he came home, things were going to be all right. You know, when dad, dad comes home, things are just, I don't know, better. I can't describe it. And that's the idea that I want you to think about in Advent. That's the, idea, that's the picture that Jesus paints for us today. Not be ready in a jump scare, ah, but be ready in hope and expectation and longing that Jesus, your Lord, is coming back to get you. I mean, look, if it's true that not even the end of the world can prevent us from the Lord, separate us from God, just if, you, if that's true, that not even, if there's nothing in this world that can separate us from God, even death, Paul says, oh, death, where is thy sting? If that's true, then what do we really have to fear? I mean, life is oftentimes difficult, right? Every person in this church right now, including me, has something going on in their lives. Everyone's got things we fear, we wrestle with, we struggle with. But if Jesus is coming back, let me just ask you to stop and think. Is there really anything to worry about? I mean, Jesus says this. He says in Luke 12, 22, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat or what your body, what you'll put on. He says, look at the birds, look at the ravens. They neither reap nor sow. They don't work. They have, don't have barns and storehouses. And yet God feeds them. How much more value are you than them to God? It's a great rhetorical question. Like, why do you worry so much? Why? Why do I worry? Because the question is, you matter to God. And while you cannot control the challenges of your life, he can and so I want you to hear Jesus' words today, all of Advent, not as a warning, not as a jump scare, but as incredible words of comfort and security for those who trust in Jesus. And if that's true, Jesus says, if that's true, if you're waiting for me with expectation, not fear, be ready. Advent is a season of getting ready. And here's the question I want to, as I wrap up, I want to put to you this morning. What are the people and places and things that draw you away from God? What are the things that cause, that distract you? Everybody's got something. Let me ask you a question. How many of you hosted Thanksgiving dinner? I did. Or you went to Thanksgiving dinner somewhere. Whether you were hosting or you were going somewhere, even if you're going out to dinner with, at a restaurant, whatever, every single one of us did something. Every single one of us got ready. For us, we went around the house and took all the clutter and crammed it in the bedroom and shut the door, you know, put everything in the drawers and closed them up, you know. Or maybe you went out to dinner with some friends. What did you do? You got, you got showered, you got dressed, you put on some nice clothes. But what you did is you got ready. And Jesus is saying, if I'm coming back for you, be ready. Because if you're always ready for Christ's return, if you're always asking, what is drawing me away from him, and what can I put at the foot of the cross and return to Christ, if you're always ready, my dad used to say this, if you're always ready, son, then you're never caught off guard. 
See, our relationship with God works like any other relationship that we have. Our relationship with God is based on the very same principles as your relationship with your wife or your kids or your friends. If you don't spend time with each other, if you don't invest in one another, we drift. Relationships take work. It's no different. It's no different with God. If we don't set aside time for prayer and reading scripture, if we're not ready, if we're not at the very least attending church every Sunday, if we're not ready, our relationship with God will suffer, not because he walks from us, but because we walk from him. There's an old um, Chinese proverb. I know this is true because I saw it on a fortune cookie at Penn State. The proverb you've heard before is, may you live in interesting times. In other words, the world is always changing. Threats come and threats go. Things will come and things will go. People will come and people will go. This world will end. But here's the question. If God is in control, and he is, and if therefore we know that the current struggles of this we face are only temporary, then in the end, in the end, there is nothing to fear, even, even the end of the world. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for Jesus, who will come again to judge the world, restore good, raise the dead, and reestablish Eden, where we will live with you, with real physical bodies, with those whom we love, who won't ever age, and won't ever get sick, and won't ever die. Father, remind us not to fear the end, but to long for it, to hope for the resurrection of all things which we desire, and help us to take stop of our, stock of our own lives now to get ready for his return. Help us to get right in our relationship with you. Help us to be ready even as we pray. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook.